Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 10, everyone. This is Drew, and I'm here with Doug. We're two av geeks and aviation professionals creating a safe space for other av geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Man, number 10. Where is time gone? Time flies when you're having fun. It's crazy. Sorry, um, right, sorry, so, sorry for the pun there. <laughs> it was good. We we have to throw some of those in there. So, um, Doug, you're on the road right now. You're not in California. Um, what's going on? How's your travel? And I, before you start, I've seen your pictures and they're amazing. Um, so I know you want to show off about that trip. So go ahead. Yeah, um, I'm in Oklahoma City for uh, for some work. Talked about it last week on the show. Flew down on Monday with that. Avgeek double layover, which turned out to be pretty awesome. Seattle's a, a great stop. Went to um, Centurion Lounge up there, the Sky Club, um, and then, like we talked about, I actually had a short layover in Salt Lake City, but ended up getting in early. So, like you challenged me, I, I had about ten minutes in the Sky Club, so that that totally worked out. But like you were talking about my pictures this weekend, I was off of work, so I drove down to Dallas and um spent all day yesterday i mean we're talking 11 hours yesterday driving all around dfw plane spotting um i went to probably four or five different spots back and forth probably sometimes probably six or seven times to a couple of the the different places and then finished up this morning did a few hours and caught the qantas a380 coming in um this afternoon Dropped the mic, hit the road, and drove back up to Oklahoma City, where I will be for the next week. Yeah, you that you could not have asked for better picture taking conditions. The lighting was just magnificent for the morning and and those evening shots. Oh, it was, it was perfect, and and that's kind of why I was driving around because I was following on Flight Aware and Flight Radar twenty four some of the um, some of the planes coming in that I wanted to get, but based on where the sun was, some of the shots weren't great, so. I actually Googled a couple different places that you could find to, uh, to do the spotting and actually met up with um, one of our followers on Twitter, Nate in the air, who is a, a travel vlogger on YouTube, um, does, does trip reviews and, and, um, and the like, and uh, spent the afternoon with, with Nate and his girlfriend spotting. So they kind of showed me, Show me some some good places to look and everything. So if you guys, real quickly, if you want to look him up on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash um, in the air TV. Some some pretty cool trip reviews that he's got. So that was that was fun geeking out with one of our uh, one of our listeners. Okay, so in the air TV, you said? Yeah, in the air TV. YouTube.com slash in the air TV. Okay, and his Twitter handle is Nate is in the air. Uh, Nate underscore in the air. Okay. All right. Shout out, Nate. We'll be checking your, uh, your, uh, YouTube. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's keep moving. So, uh, real nice trip, Doug, real good picture. So for you guys check our, uh, Twitter handle at next trip podcast. And also I'm sure Doug will put it on his website, officerwayfinder.com. Really great pictures. All right. So we need to settle the score on this airline name pronunciation from last week. So, Doug and I did not agree on the pronunciation of L-A-T-A-M. Uh, Doug, how do you pronounce it one more time just for review? <laughs> I pronounce it Latam. <laughs> oh, you, 
Yeah, Latam. So I made fun of Doug because I pronounce it Latam, Latin America, Pan Am, Latam. And listening to their safety video, they said, welcome aboard Latam. But I was corrected by my friend Mark Uriarty, who is vaguely Latin, I guess, because he's not arrived to Madrid twice. Um, I'm just joking. I'm sure he is. So he said, Doug, your pronunciation is more correct from a Latin or a Latin-based speaker. So Yes, my, my, no, my, right? wife, my wife, who's a, a Spanish major, said, yes, it would be because of Latin and America. It, right. America comes before Latin. It would be Latam. But one of the other aviation podcasts I listen to, uh, one of the main guys on there is from Venezuela, Spanish speaker. And on this week's episode, he was calling uh-huh. it Lat- Latam. I'm telling so you. So I was like, come on, this Spanish no, speaker no, no. isn't calling it the way that I expected. Okay, so okay, so this this brings a point. So these airlines want to be accessible to the whole world. So they end up making it easier for everyone to pronounce. So the country of Qatar, that's how you pronounce Qatar, but no one says Qatar Airways. It's if you're British, you say Qatar and we say Qatar, right? And I think the airline's fine with that as long as we pay them money and we fly them. I had never heard Qatar until um Alex on the layovers podcast said that. And after we started this discussion, I, I went and looked it up and um, 60 minutes. So CBS 60 minutes, the show in the U S did a, a report on it about eight years ago saying, how do you pronounce it? And the anchor went to Qatar or Qatar, <laughs> however you pronounce it. And even the locals there call it uh-huh. all kinds of different things. And yeah. Takeaway is you can call it whatever you want. No one gets upset. So Qatar, Qatar, gutter, cutter, how, however you pronounce it. I don't think yeah. anyone is going to win on that one. Oh, and by the way, guess how they pronounce it on the Qatar Airways safety video? Because now, now I'm listening to all these safety videos. So if anyone corrects me, I'm like, no, that's the way they pronounce it. So Qatar Airways safety video, it's Qatar. And that's and, and that's how I've heard all the pilots say it, flying over yeah. the Middle East. They they all say Qatar. Okay. So just to just to close this conversation, because I don't want to talk about it in every episode. Let's all agree. I think Doug and I agree, you never say Qantas and you never say Etihad. I've heard a lot of people say Etihad, it's Etihad. And there's not pronunciation, but um you never ever say British Airlines. I used to work in British Airways sales and all of us would flinch. We'd start twitching. Our customers would say British Airlines. Yeah, and JetBlue is JetBlue Airways. Yeah, it's not Airlines. Yeah, I've I've heard JetBlue Airlines. It's JetBlue Airways. Airways, okay. Um, One fun fact. Do you know what Etihad means in Arabic? I don't. It means United. So, yeah. So if United wanted to have a Middle East partner, that's that's a good match. I don't know. It's if, I, I don't know if anyone wants to be Etihad partners right now. No, they probably want to buy them. I don't know yeah. if they want to be partner. Uh, <laughs> all right. So now that we've got that squared away, let's move on. Um, this next topic is becoming a weekly update for you guys. It's what's going on at Boeing. So, Doug, if you tell us what's going on at Boeing this week. Yeah, we recorded a week ago, and a lot has, has happened since then. Um, the new CEO, Dave Calhoun, said that they're going to go back to the drawing board on the NMA, which we'll talk about here in a little while. 
Um, also, the 777X flew for the second time, so that was good. Um, but on the bad, and uh, it was really bad, Boeing released its 2009 fiscal year results, and we'll get into that. And they also made some announcements about triple or, uh, 787 production. And Calhoun also talked about the 737 MAX kind of openly for the first time. So, I, Drew, I don't even know where we begin on this. Well, you have their... So you kind of went through their numbers, um, but the 777X flight was a good positive. So that was in the news. That was successful. The plane flew well, and it's, um, it flew for the second time. Um, before we, well, we're going to have our discussion. Do you want me, do you want me to just talk about the NMA? Cause that's still. Yeah. 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 We might as well. Um, or do you want to go through some other stats? Cause you, had well, I, I say we, we, we talked about the positive with the triple seven X flying and the NMA I, I would argue is kind of positive. So I've, mm-hmm. I've always been taught, um, sandwich the bad with the good. <laughs> so what, that's why, our podcast. Why, so why don't I run down? And, and that's kind of why we start with goofy stuff and end with polls um, on the podcast. Yeah, I, think we, I think we started everyone off with the bankruptcy at South African and virus. Um, yeah. We started off with those. So, so. Let's, let's do a sandwich here. Um, so we talked about the good. I'll, I'll cover just real quickly some of the bad, um, mainly regarding to their financial results. So Boeing... Uh, last week announced their fiscal year 2019 stats and they had an annual loss of 636 million, which was the first loss in over two decades. 97 was, was the last one. And to put that into perspective, they had a $10.5 billion profit in 2018. So that is an enormous poor turnaround. Um, Boeing said that their costs so far related to the max grounding have been upwards of $18 billion billion with a B, mm-hmm. which is staggering. Um, Calhoun talked about the Max on an interview with CNBC. And when, when they asked him about those emails, kind of the damning emails that came out last week, a couple of weeks ago, his yeah. reaction was, he said, my stomach churned. Um, he said, the language is horrible. So I, I mean, that's, that's not a good sign. Yeah. I, I, again, he wasn't in control of the company when that happened, but this is kind of the mess that he's sticking to, but you and I talked about this a little bit. I think the the biggest thing that came from that interview was he said that he's not going to try and market his way out of this, meaning um, changing the name of the max and trying to market it as a positive thing. So I, I I don't know. I, that really seemed to strike a chord with, with both of us that market the way out language. Yeah. No, he doesn't want any gimmicks, which is good. Yeah. And then uh, kind of one final punch to the gut, if you will, is that Boeing last, late last year announced that they were cutting 787 production from 14 a month down to 12. And they just announced that beginning in early 2021, they're going to scale that back even further to 10. And they're hoping to go back up to 12 sometime in 2023. So we're, we're talking three plus years now. And this isn't even 737 MAX related. This is just market forces, things happening with Boeing. And keep in mind that we're, we're still in a very or a relatively strong global economy. Um, yeah. So who knows what will happen if, if there's a slowdown more than um, what we're seeing right now with, with the coronavirus stuff. But 
I, I don't know, Drew. I mean, this is, yeah. it's, it seems like every, every day we just, we get bad news out of Boeing, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the coronavirus because um, yeah, in just a moment, but you're talking about one of the biggest aviation travel markets that's been brought to a standstill. So um, we'll get to that in a second. And this, this last part, I don't know if it's good news or not, but it is, uh, it's really a question mark. And I think Doug, you and I will probably have to give Boeing some advice because it seems like we're kind of in a rut right now. And we're talking about the NMA, uh, the new middle market aircraft. So this is for those of you that haven't listened to all of our episodes, this is a airplane that's meant to replace the 757 and the 767, 220 to 270 seats. There's a big gaping hole in Boeing's product offerings and you have United uh, telling them we want to replace the 757 and 767. We want something. Boeing, um, United actually was asking them about the 767, bringing that back with a new version, but that wasn't possible. Ed Bastian of Delta uh, said, we remain interested. And he's not, in, he's not really a fan of the A321. I think he mentioned a long, narrow plane may not be the way to go for Delta. So, But for now, um, the A321 XLR, which is a long-range, narrow body that can fly um, from uh, the U.S. to Europe, that's what airlines are buying as a stopgap measure. So... Um, there's another program that they had. I don't know how many of you have heard about this. It's called the FSA, Future Small Aircraft. So that has also been tabled until they figure out what they're going to do. Doug, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I read last week. Um, I think it was uh, Justin Yarborough, Fat Elvis on Twitter, who sent us the info about this. So thanks for that. But Boeing had mentioned, I, I don't know if it was Calhoun or, or their marketing team or, or PR team, but someone had had released some information saying that by going back to the drawing board on this, they're looking at possibly doing a combined NMA FSA. So yeah. does that, does that mean a single airplane filling that market? Does that mean two airplanes a la the 7576, which for those listeners who've listened to us from the start, that's what I've been a huge proponent of is creating this two airplane program at the mm -hmm. same time. So It'll be more expensive than creating a single airplane, yes, but it'll be less expensive than creating two different airplanes a decade apart, which is um, the, the, the two airplanes at the same time is exactly what Boeing did with the 7576. It was a common type rating. It was a, a large single aisle narrow body airplane and a relatively small twin aisle wide body airplane. Same cockpit, same type rating, same everything, which is why the airlines loved it. Delta, United, American, Continental, Northwest, they all ordered the 7.5 and or the 7.6 because um, it, it fit those, those two different airplanes fit their, their profiles. And I know the airlines still love both of those airplanes today, but they're aging. I mean, I was looking at the tail numbers of, of some of the planes I was spotting this weekend and we're talking about 25 plus year old airplanes, which yeah. it, I mean, Delta, a lot, a lot of their planes are, are that old, um, which isn't yeah. safety related, whatever, but we're, we're getting at their, they're old, they're inefficient, they're heavy. They don't have some of the, the new features that the new airplanes do. Yeah. And um, no one in the world needs these airplanes more than the U S majors. Um, mm -hmm. They were the biggest customers of the seven, five, seven, six for, for really the biggest reason is the 
size of the United States. Um, someone in Europe doesn't necessarily need a 757 to, to fly coast to coast, like in the U S um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, so where it's needed is in the U S of course, for these trunk routes, hub to hub routes and these huge trunk routes in Asia from Singapore to Bangkok, from Hong Kong to, uh, Delhi or wherever they could really use a, a bigger, bigger airplane like the 57. Yeah. A, a more, a more efficient because it, interestingly enough, if you look at a lot of like inter China flights and, and I know you and I are both big fans of domestic wide bodies, but that just isn't efficient the way that an airplane like this would be. If you look at a lot of the inner China flights, you'll see a triple seven, 300 doing a 90 minute flight back and forth between secondary tertiary and efficient. And you know, the United seven, eight, sevens, the United seven, eight, sevens that fly from DC to Denver or Denver to San Francisco, that's very inefficient. You don't need that much plane to fly such a short flight as much as we both love it. We love it. So yeah, I mean, it's um, great for av geeks to find one of those. Yeah. I, I, sorry to interrupt. I would, I would say half, at least half of the triple seven two hundreds and seven eight sevens that I saw at Dallas this weekend, and I saw a lot were all yeah. domestic: Miami, oh, Miami, New York, um, Charlotte, Phoenix, L.A. To and yeah. from Dallas. Um, now, now, granted, the winter is kind of a, a slower time for wide bodies, and so they have additional airplanes that that they can use on these, but. Um, the yeah. the av geek slash traveler in me was really excited to see that the statistician slash MBA in me cringed mm-hmm. seeing seeing you know some of these twenty year old in it relatively inefficient triple sevens being used on Miami to Dallas. Yeah, exactly. All right, we can get in the weeds on this all day long, but um, and Doug, I think you'll agree. I know they put everything on the table or they start with a clean sheet. Please don't do that. There's been a lot of good work, I'm sure, with designs for new aircraft. We talk, talked about the, you know, the TTBW a couple of weeks ago. And then I know that there's, you know, they were getting close to launching an NMA. So what I would suggest, take all that, combine it into a single cabin, two sizes, narrow body, wide body, make them world-class. And now the problem, Doug, is 787, they announced it when they're in 2003. It didn't fly until 2011. That's eight years. So I don't think we can afford to wait eight years for a plane to replace the 5767. So they got to get moving on. This. Yeah, I, I did. I did read. I, I think they're saying it'll be about six years from launch to entry into service, which is what they had said about the 78. Okay. And then it ran into production delays. So that's what stretched it to eight. But it, I, I mean, if if they can get it by the by the end of the decade, like before we get into the 2030s, that's that's a win, and that's what we need. And and they need to start looking at it. But we've yeah. we've I mean we've talked about this topic ad nauseum, so hopefully we can avoid it um, for the next several episodes. But moving on to the next topic, which we kind of um, teased a little bit earlier. And disclaimer on this, it is rapidly changing. And so the information that we talked about today may not be valid even tomorrow or when you listen to it. And that is coronavirus. Yeah, it's changing as we speak. And I had to keep updating my notes for this because it's, you know, it's moment to moment. So 
as of this moment, um, there are 304 deaths. There's over 14,000 infections. So SARS was a huge thing for the world economy and for how many people it affected. Okay, so SARS killed 800 people and 8,000 people were infected. So this right now is 304 and counting and 14,000 are affected. So we really don't know where this is going. From a big picture perspective, not just aviation, SARS in 2003 wiped out $40 billion in world markets. So let's, the markets are about to open in Shanghai and Hong Kong. They went down about, uh, I think it was 3% last week. So let's see what they'll do. Our stock market in the U.S. went down 2%. The airlines were hit more adversely because it directly affects us. So the airlines were down 3 to 4%. Um, let's see. So the only thing that's dampening this is U.S. corporate earnings. U.S. corporate earnings were positive. So that's kind of dampening the blow, right? Um, but then to leave you with a, with a I don't want to say positive, but something that might be a little calming. So... Right now in the U.S., there are eight coronavirus infections. Um, if you want to put things in perspective, 10,000 people have died from influenza since October. So you guys, instead of freaking out about it, let's just everyone wipe down surfaces, wash your hands, and then just, you know, beware of the regular flu. Doug? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, I, I didn't realize that the number was that high. I knew that the flu did cause a lot of fatalities. Um, I mean, mainly in, in elderly and, and young people. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the media is, I, I don't want to say over-sensationalizing this because it is a big deal, but I think yeah. that it's leading to more of a wide, widespread panic. And that's not, a, that's not a hit on the media because people want to know. I mean, I, I, look at, I look at the news almost hourly, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, pull, up, pull up my phone and, and see what's going on in the news. And I want to know what's going on, but... Um, I, I think that that's kind of this self-perpetuating, it's making it possibly seem a lot worse than it is. Although who knows what it'll be in two, three, four, eight weeks, um, because the numbers are, are just growing exponentially, but that's not necessarily our wheelhouse, excuse me, our wheelhouse and, and um, strong point is the airline industry and, and kind of the airline perspective and um, talking about China travel with that. British Airways was the first airline to kind of across the board start issuing blanket cancellations and it was effective immediately. So last Wednesday, they canceled all their flights to mainland China and then United was the first US airline to announce cancellations and schedule changes, et cetera. And then Delta and American quickly followed. Um, A lot of those cancellations now include Hong Kong, which isn't mainland China. it is connected in a way um, part, parts of the, the Hong Kong area are, are touching China, but um, it, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And Delta actually, since we wrote these notes, Delta now has shifted and they've canceled their flights until uh, the end of April. So we're talking a couple months from now. Um, and then additionally, Lufthansa, Swiss, Austrian, some of the other um, European carriers are canceling all those flights as well. And um, I don't know necessarily if this is PR spin and, and I hate to say PR spin because um, my, no, my wife, I think it's just, I think it's just people aren't booking to China. That, that, that's it. That's it. I mean, that, that was the point I was going to make is they're saying it's this lack of demand. Um, and 
that that's what's kind of leading to this. And I, yeah. I think people are just afraid to travel to, um, to China. And United, in a statement, said, due to significant decline in demand for travel to China, we're suspending some flights. We'll continue to monitor the situation. But what I thought yeah. was, was interesting and also very thoughtful and, and good is that, so British Airways canceled all the flights immediately. There were a lot of people that were stranded, so they had to repatriate those people somehow. Delta, yeah. United, and American, um, I think most of the cancellations began on February 8th. So depending on how you look at that, whether it's good or bad, it could be bad in that, okay, you're letting more people in that are possibly infected. But um, I, luckily, I've never been in a position where my outbound flight has been canceled. But we saw at the end of last year, when Thomas Cook folded the... Um, the, the British airline, there were hundreds of thousands of people that were just stuck and they had to figure out a way to get them home. So by, by the airlines doing this delayed cancellation, if you will, they're still operating right now until, until the eighth, it gives people a chance who are there to get out, to switch their flights and get out early. And it gives people who are planning on doing that travel from the U S in that direction the chance to cancel that travel and, and they're issuing blanket travel waivers. So people are not necessarily out that money, if you will, by, by changing. Yeah. And then this is not to mention all the flights that are extra, like uh, they sent a cargo Kalita 747-200 just packed with seats to, to uh, get people out of Wuhan Americans. So, yeah. Yeah, which uh, I, I don't know if you saw those people are being quarantined for two weeks. It was it was the first U.S. quarantine in yeah. 50 years is what I read. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> yeah, this is like a movie. So hopefully they'll get a handle on this. I know um, it seems like China is really doing a lot. So they just built a hospital in like eight days or something. To yeah, take care of people. So, which I, effort. I mean, that's, uh, that's crazy. And I was doing a little, little reading about that and they did the same for, uh, for SARS, I guess I, I didn't remember that, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely mobilizing as much as they can, but yeah, who knows what this will be next week when we record. Right. Yep. Stay tuned. Um, I, Do we can, have anything positive coming up? Do we well, have like, a let, positive story? Before we move on to that, I, I just want to interject my MBA um, uh-huh. mind in, into this. And I'm not, I'll spare you the numbers, but I look at this from a worrisome standpoint of um, a slowdown in airline revenue and growth. And I know most, most U.S. airlines are not exposed to China the way that they are to, say, Europe or even South America necessarily, but oh no, <laughs> but but yeah. all all of the airlines posted great numbers for both the fourth quarter of last year and and the fiscal year, uh, which yeah. which um, we might talk about in future episodes. Um, but and anyways, I, I'm worried about it from a slowdown perspective, and could this be this whole coronavirus? Could that be the catalyst that leads to that R word? recession yes. that that everyone has been talking about which yeah. and china was on the brink china was on the brink to begin with especially with their real yeah. estate yeah yeah now just because one economy goes into a recession doesn't mean the entire world is going to south america has been in a recession for the last several years hong kong has been mm-hmm. in one since the civil unrest started last year so it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it'll spill into the us or europe or, or other markets or anything 
but uh, mm. could this be that catalyst that starts it? And we're not economists, but we are aviation industry experts. This is the absolute worst time for something like this to happen to Boeing. Boeing is not out of that 737 MAX rut yet. And to have a global slowdown in world economies slows down aviation travel, slows down airplane purchasing. And Boeing isn't making a dime on the 737 right now. So if this global slowdown happens, Boeing is in a much bigger world of trouble than, than they are already right now. Mm. All right, can we move on to the VIP lounge? I'm getting depressed. Yeah, let's do something positive here. <laughs> okay, well, you know, from an airline perspective, now we have um, some freedom in the schedule to paint these planes, refurbish them. So now's the time to do it, you know, while while we're taking these planes out of service. Yeah, so. speaking of painting, I was a little disappointed. The, uh, the like five United flights that I saw into Dallas the entire weekend. And I mean, I was, I was there a total of like 20 hours and only saw like five United flights come in. None of them were the Evo blue. So I was a little disappointed in that. Oh man, yeah, that would have looked good in that, uh, in that light, but. Yeah, sorry, I, I digress, on, on to you. Um, yeah, so uh, where are we? So <clears throat> our listener poll, we try and do a poll every week. Our listener poll this week was a topic that came up um, as Doug was starting his trip to Oklahoma City. He sent me pictures on Delta in first class, of course, with his uh, upgrade with a really big TV screen. Um, and Doug, just a question for you. Do they have those in economy also? Yeah, they're, they're uh, cabin-wide on, 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 uh, on all aircraft. All aircraft except for the 717s and the Mad Dogs, all mainline aircraft. Yeah. What what about the A220? 220, yes. Okay, that's this is amazing. So Yeah, d- d- yeah Delta's so he sends me down. this picture. Yeah, so Doug sends me this picture. I'm like, "Wow, that's really that's a big size screen for a 737." So this was um our poll question. Um let's see. We said um we'd have to, you know, talk about this. So for you guys, the question was ignore your preferred airline offers or whatever you do most of the time. What sort of IFE would you like to see on every flight? IFE stands for in-flight entertainment, for those of you that don't know. And uh, the options were seatback IFE, which is like what Doug showed me, a fixed screen on the back of the seat. Personal IFE, which means you use your iPad or your computer to watch um, video that's streamed through the Wi-Fi of the airplane. Do you want a mix of both? Or do you not have a preference? Doug? Yeah, we... uh we love all the Twitter engagement that we get every week when we, when we post these. So keep it up and it's a good time for a, a quick shameless plug. Follow us at next trip podcasts on Twitter to join the conversation, but going back to the poll. So the results, um, I, I don't know if, were you surprised by them? We'll, we'll talk about the results here in a sec. Were you surprised? No, I wasn't surprised. I mean that, that choice that we put, would you rather have both? Of course, you know, rather have both. So yeah. I was looking more at the, uh, where you, you were restricted to. Yeah. So the, so the results were 30% for CBAC IFE, 11% for personal IFE, 7% for don't have a preference. And then the overwhelming winner was 52% for mix of both. So what, what we meant by mix of both was not like some airplanes have one and other airplanes have the other. It's a, legitimately a, a mix of both so drew you can start off what's what's your choice 
Okay, easy choice. All planes should be standard, have back, have rear video screens, backseat video screens on all seats. And I'll tell you, you know, you would think people have their own downloaded videos that they can bring. No, they. I mean, I don't. I don't want to do all that before a trip, download movies that I can watch. No. One thing I like about the video, the movies on the planes is that I'll discover something new that I wouldn't have downloaded myself. Exactly. Especially, yeah. So especially if I'm traveling to a foreign country, that's like a prep for your visit. So if I'm going to India, I'll watch a Bollywood movie or if I'm going to France, I'll watch a French movie. Right. So that'll get me kind of in the mood to my destination. And it's not something, it's just something that I would find in their selection. So yeah, I want those video screens and I don't want the hassle of taking my laptop or my iPad out hooking up to the Wi-Fi, getting my, you know, I, I would just rather have the airline provide that for me. What about you? So I, I actually like the mix of both. And the reason why is because I've, I've had it on multiple airlines where the screen might freeze up and it doesn't necessarily work or you start a movie and you can't do anything to it. The screen just freezes. So having that mix of both, meaning you have the streaming, the complimentary streaming content as well. If the screen doesn't work, then you can, you can move on to streaming the content that they provide. Now, okay. as, as a frequent traveler and also as a, a father with children, I can tell you it is so much more convenient to just have the screen. Because as mm -hmm. you said, you don't have to worry about downloading content ahead of time. But there, I, I know families who don't have multiple screens for each child. I know families who yeah. don't even have any screens for the children. And, so, and all that extra stuff to carry. Exactly. So on airlines that do, that do not offer that seatback entertainment. And, and now, granted, this poll for, for the listeners, we're mostly talking about domestic U.S. short haul or coast to coast. Or you could even say inter-Europe or kind of inter-Asia, more short haul stuff. Of course, they're going to have it or, or most airlines, pretty much all airlines have it on, on long haul. But we're we're talking kind of this this short haul narrow body type entertainment. Um, yeah, I, I I a lot of times I'll also be doing work and I don't want to have to deal with my computer and having my phone. I can just have a movie on on the screen. I can be working on my computer and I can just mm -hmm. kind of half pay attention or whatever. Um, yeah. One of my flights last week, uh, I was on an ERJ one seventy five, which didn't have the entertainment, and I was watching a movie. It was it was uncomfortable holding my phone, trying to eat, trying to, trying to drink, holding the phone, getting in a, an uncomfortable position. And I thought, man, I wish that there was a seatback screen here. Yeah. And I, I've, I've sat next to a lot of passengers or heard people boarding the airplanes. And I know people will say, oh, it doesn't really matter. No, it does. I, I hear people get on the airplane and they say, oh, yes, people who probably travel once a year, twice a year, yes, this airplane has seatback screens. This is going to be awesome. People pay attention. They they like it. Paul Papa Demetrio, who's the uh, the co-host of the Layovers podcast, mentioned uh, replied to us on Twitter and said, "Short haul, Mac, iPads, all I need. Long haul, I kind of still like the IFE, and you'll like this, Drew, for the external cameras, especially on the three fifties and three eighties. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, you got to have that. And then he he said the exact same thing that you did. Also, the cool discoveries for the airlines with the big catalogs and and things that like that cultural that the place that you're going." And he said he's yeah. already he's already even researched and bookmarked what he's going to watch in his next four Emirates flights. 
So that, oh, I, that's I mean, smart. I should do that. Yeah. And I actually did that before my Delta flight. So I knew, I knew what I wanted to watch going into it. So that way, especially on shorter flights, you don't waste the time flipping through for 30 minutes and then you're not able to finish a movie. Um, you know, yeah, and they're from they're from these countries, so their collection of movies is probably what that population enjoys. So, and I yeah. want to be immersed in that before I get there. So, yeah, I, I yeah. want to watch their their exactly. So, um, everyone, just let us know your thoughts on that. I, I know that we put the poll out there, but um, if you agree with us, if you don't agree with us, please call us out on Twitter. We'd we'd love to know. Um, you know, I, we we don't want to know, or we we do want to know if it's uh, just us or if if everyone kind of feels that way. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's get to, um, let's start wrapping this up for everyone. So uh, we want to thank our listeners for your feedback. We really listen and we, I, I think Doug that we've kind of altered how we do this podcast from the comments that we've gotten. Um, I want to thank my friends, Neil and Mark. They give me really good feedback, both good and bad. Sometimes it's not good to hear, but you know, we, we get better and better. So we got uh, two more uh, five star uh, reviews from Apple. So we have um, one, one listener, uh, their name is annoyed VO user. Uh, he or she said, good listen. The best thing about the podcast to me is the rapport between Doug and Drew. Their insight from working in the industry uh, brings a perspective that's different and quite enjoyable. And uh, just as a reminder, you guys, we, we don't just talk about this stuff. We live it. So Doug is a pilot. I'm an ops guy. So we live this in our day jobs. Yeah, and then uh, Robbie Sales, which is not your Robbie, right, Drew? No, it's not. I can't. I, he lists my Robbie. My partner listens, but I can't see him spending the extra two minutes to write a review. Yeah, which is better than Marissa. My, I can't get my wife to listen. But anyways, Robbie said, "Love the hashtag AbGeek Talk. Keep up the awesome job, guys." So we really do appreciate everything that you guys give us, all the feedback. So if you like what you hear, or if you don't and you want to hear something different, leave us a review. Call us out on Twitter it helps us fine tune what we're doing. So hopefully we'll have all this figured out by the time we get to boarding past 50 and hopefully we, we, hopefully we make it there. <laughs> we will. So, That's just this year. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's your, what's your next trip, Drew? Okay. So uh, this could be another half an hour show. So I'll just keep this very short. So next week um, I was invited to a 787 delivery flight in Seattle. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm pinpointing the aircraft with, that it's going to be it's going to be november 29975 i'm almost 99 percent sure of that so that's doing test flights it's getting its mods done so um i'll be on that flight on february 11th so very excited about that but um i had a work trip thrown at me uh just a couple of days ago which uh for av geeks we love getting thrown a, a work trip so a uh, positive space trip uh to denver and back on wednesday and of course i'm picking the 787 for a domestic wide body and coming back on a 737 900 Doug, what about you? Of course. Yeah, of course you're doing the 7-8. I would do the same thing. Um, before I talk about my, my way home, one thing that I forgot to mention when I was um, talking with Nate yesterday, um, he, he made a comment that he loves that we're in jobs that allow us to travel. Um, yeah. He said he would love to have a job. So the, the reviews that he does, it's all out of pocket. It's travel on his own that he does. He doesn't travel at all for work. I think that's something that that those of us in the industry who travel a lot kind of don't realize. So for all the listeners out there who don't travel for work and everything you do is all on your own dime, on your own dime that's that's awesome. We we applaud you. Um, 
So keep it up. You know, th- thank you for thank you for supporting Drew and and hopefully someday me. But um, mm-hmm. tra- travel travel is great, and we we don't take it lightly that we get to travel for for free essentially pay right. pay travel. But um, that said, yeah, I um, go home from Oklahoma City on on Saturday, and like on the way down here, I'm doing a double layover. Uh, quick quick layover in Salt Lake, and then I've got almost three hours in LA. So I'm I'm gonna oh, wow. probably try and do some plane spotting. Um, the Delta Sky Club in Terminal Three, I think it is on the north side, has some really good runway views. Um, so I'm gonna grab a grab a beer and kind of post up there and take some pictures. So uh, you guys can, can look Wait. for that. But uh, thanks everyone for joining us again this week. We know that you guys have your choice of podcasts and we really appreciate you choosing the next trip. This has been boarding pass 10, which I know that we got right this time. A couple <laughs> listeners said we said the last one last time. And yeah, that was Neil. Yeah. Um, before we finish up, I do want to apologize if the sound quality this week is not great. Um, the hotel that I'm staying in, um, uh, it does not have excellent Wi-Fi. In, in fact, it's dropped off a couple times in this recording and we've had to restart the meeting and go back to make sure that we recorded it all. But we're doing it for you guys because we love you and yep. uh, we're, we're, put, we're putting up with the bad Wi-Fi for that. So with that, until the next trip. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast or OfficerWayfinder.com slash podcast.